You're listening to the Pursue God Family Podcast, the official channel for marriage and parenting topics at PursueGod.org. Join Tracy and Brian Dwyer every week as they talk about living biblically in an increasingly secular world. Find more resources to continue the conversation at PursueGod.org slash family. Okay, Tracy, today we're going to be, for some of our listeners, we're probably going to be introducing a concept that they didn't know that there was a word for. We're going to talk about something called vulnerable narcissism, and this can show up in marriage. It can show up in your family and just friendships. Maybe you parents, you might notice this in your kids. So Tracy, let's let's start today by defining what narcissism is. I think a lot of people are familiar with that term, narcissism, but a lot of people aren't familiar with the term vulnerable narcissism. And I think some of our listeners might really be able to connect the dots as we explain this, as we describe this. And then, and then we'll talk about what to do about it if you find this in your family. Yeah, so I think a lot of people can identify the grandiose narcissist as the person that just demands attention, just constantly craves admiration, wants to be around the most powerful people, and it just seems like they just see themselves as this invincible person. <laughs> um, but the vulnerable narcissist oftentimes presents differently. They still have the same root issues as the grandiose version, but they're a little bit more fragile in their identity and the way they come across. They're a little bit more vulnerable in their fear of rejection and in their desire for importance. And so the vulnerable narcissist is a little bit more of an interesting and maybe more common for a lot of us in relationships. I do think it's important to say too, from the outset that really only one to 2% of people would be diagnosed fully as a narcissistic personality disorder. It's more common that people are kind of on a scale or a range So you might have someone in your life that maybe wouldn't fully be diagnosed as such because it's pretty rare, but they might be on the spectrum either towards grandiose or vulnerable and have a lot of tendencies towards that personality disorder. Yeah, let's define narcissism. Narcissism is a sense of superiority and inflated self-importance in order to hide deep wounds of inferiority and fear of rejection. So I'm going to read that again. And Tracy, like you said, grandiose narcissism is what most of us think about when we think of a narcissist, but probably more common is a vulnerable narcissist, or at least someone on the spectrum of being a vulnerable narcissist. So it's a sense of superiority and inflated self-importance in order to hide deep wounds of inferiority and fear of rejection. So it's the, it's that person who comes out and like you're, you're, He's so full of himself is what you're thinking of when you're thinking of grandiose. And that, of course, there's a, they're hiding inferiority. They're hiding uh, probably low self-esteem. Most of us probably recognize that with people who are always trying to talk about how great they are. But in a similar vein, there are people who have low self-esteem or some sense of inferiority, fear of rejection, who don't come across in a grandiose way. But it's still, it's still, it's still a focus on themselves, right? And so 
So maybe listeners are out there saying, hold on a second, I never thought about narcissism for my spouse because they're an introvert or whatever, or they don't, they don't come across like a narcissist. But what we're saying is that they're, the same root issue is a part of, of really the, the problem that they have and the dysfunction that that brings into your family. Yeah, so another, another word for the vulnerable narcissist is covert versus the grandiose versions more overt, right? They're just like out there with their views of self-importance and thinking that they're better than you and wanting control of you in every situation. Whereas the vulnerable or covert narcissist does it in less obvious ways, more from a place of vulnerability or for appear an appearance of vulnerability, um, an appearance of being, you know, humble and self-deprecating, but the end result of in relationship with you is really more, it's all about them still, even in their apparent self-deprecating words, it's still about they're the center of their world and everything is about them and their desire is to elevate themselves over even the needs of those around them. So let me read some of these descriptions again. For our listeners, you're probably still trying to wrap your mind around this. And so see if this lands for you. Individuals with vulnerable narcissism may display self-centeredness, entitlement, and a constant need for validation and admiration, while also experiencing significant self-doubt, hypersensitivity to criticism, and feelings of shame or inadequacy. Yeah, to me, the things that probably jump out the most and the experiences that we've had um, and just, you know, talking to people in a counseling environment is the hypersensitivity to criticism, I think is the one that maybe for listeners is like, ah, okay, yes, there is someone in my life that I feel like no matter how I approach a conversation, Anytime my spouse or friend or family member hears any, any criticism or any question of their motive or their action, um, they immediately go on the defensive and then kind of put it back on you. And so for a lot of people, that might be the thing that sticks out the most is that hypersensitivity to criticism um, that's confusing and like is, is kind of like knocks you off course a little bit. And the, and the reason for that is if, if you're dealing with someone that has any level of that vulnerable narcissism, they're protecting that fragile ego of theirs, that view of themselves that their ultimate fear is fear of rejection. Their ultimate feeling about themselves is not superiority and self-importance. It's I don't feel important and I don't feel worthy but I need to protect myself. So I put on the airs of this thing. And so if somebody questions me or discovers my weaknesses or discovers that I'm not all put together, that's the ultimate fear. And they'll do whatever it takes to not let that happen. Yeah, this, and this is called a mask of fragility. So this mask can be manipulative, right? This is part of the problem is they whether they mean to or not, they end up manipulating people in their, in their inner circle, whether it be a spouse, a parent, a child, a friend, and it, it elicits sympathy and support from others, but it's, it maintains a sense of superiority. So again, it's everything revolves around me, but that, I, I don't want it to look like that. 
but essentially these a vulnerable narcissist ends up being very controlling in their especially in their family yeah so i think for listeners if if you have this experience where this one person it's kind of like their their needs are the only things they can really identify even if you come to them and you're sharing like, you know, my feelings were hurt about this, that, or the other, or I feel like I need more of this from you that instead of the response of like, okay, I'm so sorry, I want to be better in that area or tell me more about that. They immediately go on the defensive and, and say, you're terrible. You're so mean with your words, your expectations are unrealistic. And you end up walking away from those interactions feeling like you're crazy and maybe I'm wrong. Or I, I, I thought I knew how I felt about this. I thought I was coming to this person productively and trying to be kind in my approach and, and it ends up the same way. And so there's never any really resolution to the, to the conflict or the conversation because the vulnerable narcissist can only see their own story, their own feelings, their own needs. They can't see your point of view. And that's where it just gets so frustrating and it's so hard to be in a healthy, trusting relationship with someone that is high in vulnerable narcissism. Yeah, one of the other one of the other traits of a vulnerable narcissist is something called avoidant coping. So they may engage in avoidance strategies, like kind of withdraw withdrawing socially or passive aggressive behavior, because they they don't want to be called out on their behavior and. So it can be frustrating then for you as a spouse or as a parent or a child or a friend, because you're trying to help, help them. You're trying to speak truth and love to them, but they have a hard time. And this is one of the hallmarks of a vulnerable narcissist is they have a hard time with criticism, even constructive criticism. They have a hard time with feeling like they failed you. So if your language comes across like that, then it feels to them like a personal attack when you're just trying to help them grow and be a better person. Yeah, you know, and I think, you know, the point of us doing this conversation is just we've had so many, so many experiences and conversations with people that have frustrating relationships. And it's hard to identify like, what is the issue? What is going on here? And just kind of getting an understanding of something like vulnerable narcissism where you just feel like anything you try to do just doesn't work. And what we really want to do is just kind of help create some proper expectations maybe for you as you move through a relationship with someone that's, you know, higher on this vulnerable narcissism scale that, uh, I mean, as hard as you try their, their inner core of who they are just can't, can't handle feeling like they haven't measured up in your eyes. So they'll do whatever it takes to control the narrative, to control the interactions, to control the circumstances surrounding situations. And I guess maybe for those of you that have this kind of person in your life, you know, some of it is about compassion for maybe understanding that where did that hurt come from that's so deep rooted in there that they go to these extremes to protect themselves. And it's, you know, a lot of times as the research would show that people that struggle in this area were raised in homes where 
parents were oftentimes critical and withholding of affection and affirmation. And so they grew up in an environment where they didn't feel safe to make mistakes or to feel like if I do mess up, that doesn't mean I'm not a good person or not capable of doing better. And so they create this world then where they have to protect themselves and become even at times aggressive in their approach in relationships with others because they're so fearful of that rejection or people finding out that they don't have it all together. Yeah. And in, in the context of a marriage, Tracy, maybe you can speak to this. I don't know that we've ever seen a vulnerable narcissist married to a vulnerable, vulnerable narcissist. Mm -hmm. I don't think, I don't think they would be attracted to each other because in interpersonal relationships, these kinds of narcissists seek out people who can provide them with constant validation and a narcissist won't do that. A narcissist is not focused on anyone but themselves. So a vulnerable narcissist would not be attracted to a narcissist because they wouldn't meet their needs. And so for some of our listeners, you might be hearing this and realizing, I think maybe I'm married to a vulnerable narcissist, or at least someone somewhere on the scale. And that might cause some panic for them. I think self-awareness is the first step here is to recognize, oh my, I... I see now why we, why I was attractive to, to my spouse, because I have, I have been one of these people who gives emotional support and constant validation. I'm an empathetic person, but, but maybe there's, they're 10, 20, 30 years into their marriage saying, I think I've made the problem worse. Yeah. And I think that that's a really good point to realize that for a lot of people that end up in relationships with someone with more vulnerable narcissism is you become pretty codependent pretty fast because you're so beholden to the mood and the perspective of the narcissist that you're, you're trying to, you're doing backflips, you're doing everything you can to keep the peace. And as long as the narcissist feels like you're seeing it their way and you're meeting their needs and doing what they want you to do when they want you to do it, then things are relatively peaceful. But as soon as that apple cart gets knocked over in some way, or they feel threatened by your criticism, or you standing up for yourself, then then peace goes away pretty quickly. So for a lot of people, they're just, then they'll do whatever it takes to keep the peace. And that might mean giving in to things that you, it's kind of a little bit like feeding a monster, like it's never going to be enough for them. And so that leaves the spouse or the other family member to feel like, so, so what, do, how do you navigate a relationship with someone? How do you break that bond of codependency to say, then how can I still love this person, but not be beholden to their every whim or being on that roller coaster ride with them? That's just totally predicated on their needs and nothing about you or where you fit into that. Yeah, so let's talk, Tracy, about how to deal with a vulnerable narcissist. So for those of you out there who have been listening so far and you are, you're saying, this is what I'm living in. Again, maybe you didn't even know the word for it. Maybe you, maybe you had learned the word, but you're still not sure how to handle it. We get it. It can be so frustrating to be married to someone like this or to have a kid where you maybe see this in your kids or you see this in your parents or in some friends at work or whatever we've just got a few really practical tips on how to deal with a vulnerable narcissist. 
And I want to encourage you that this these tips are probably going to be new for you. You've probably not tried some or all of these before. And it might get worse before it gets better in your relationship. So if your goal is to keep the peace, you're probably not going to want to follow through on these tips. But if your goal is to be healthy, if your goal is to maybe even help move the needle for the loved one in your life to help them to be healthy, then you might you might have to sort of gird, gird up your loins a little bit and get ready to do some of these things that that might stir the the pot a little bit. Your 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 loved one is not going to love it, but it's worth it. If you love them, it's worth it to follow these tips. Number one, Tracy, is to set boundaries. So talk us through what that would look like with a vulnerable narcissist. Well, I, I would say, too, it's boundaries and having the right expectations, because as we're talking and maybe for the listeners out there, they're like, OK, yeah, I mean, how many times have I tried to meet the needs and I just I'm on this emotional roller coaster and nothing I do seems to work. It's always just kind of it's all determined by what the narcissist in my life needs and desires. And so the first thing then is just to create clear boundaries emotionally and have the right expectations of what is feels safe to you. Like how don't give in to every emotional, don't meet every emotional level. You know, if, if the person in your life is coming at you and starting to attack you or being super emotional, that you would kind of keep an even line emotionally, that you would just kind of keep a boundary for yourself that says, I'm not going to engage at that level and I'm not going to meet them where they're, because they're testing my boundary, That right? They want control in this situation. So what can I do? to be firm and calm, but to show the boundary of, I'm not going to continue this conversation right now. You're, you're yelling at me or your requests are not realistic for me right now. So maybe we can talk about this later, but just kind of setting an emotional boundary that doesn't match where the narcissist wants you to go. Because again, you just have to remember in their mind, they're for whatever reason, feeling unsafe, right? Like they need to, they need to reclaim control of a situation or of you. And so your job is just to say, I'm not going to engage and go on the roller coaster, the up and the down. I'm just going to stay even. I'm going to be clear. I'm not going to be over emotional. I'm just going to be, this is what I'm comfortable with. This is what I'm not comfortable with. And then the expectation piece is just don't go into any of these conversations thinking that they're going to see your point of view, right? That they're going to suddenly, all of a sudden, today's the day that the light bulb goes on and, and all of a sudden they can see you and your needs. Unfortunately, you know, again, depending on where they are on that scale, um, having the right boundaries to protect your own heart and your own mind from going on that crazy ride is the good first step. Yeah, this is called the the circle of control that, you know, think about on a sheet of paper, just draw a big circle. I mean, this is actually a good exercise for you to do as, as you're gaining more self-awareness on this and really begin to write some things down on the inside of the circle. And that's the stuff that you can control. It's a really simple exercise. And it's all about recognizing that you can't control everything, especially with a vulnerable narcissist. But what's happened is a vulnerable narcissist puts you in their circle. 
they if they're doing the exercise, they think that they can control can control you, and they probably have controlled you for a long time, in with their passive aggression, with their gaslighting, making you feel bad. They're always the victim. It's always about them. It really it's confusing to you if you're just a nice person. A, a relatively emotionally healthy person, it's confusing to you and you feel like you're giving them a gift by meeting their every need, but you're not. Oh, you're feeding their vulnerable narcissism. So do that exercise for yourself and really maybe even have someone else help you with that exercise so you don't feel like you're going crazy. And part of setting setting boundaries then is just to learn that huge two-letter word, no. Just to say no. If they're engaging you and and enforcing the issue with you trying to you know either through text or through just a face-to-face conversation and it's just going you're talking in circles and in circles and in circles and they're say you hurt me and you did this and you did that and you just say no i disagree sometimes that's one of the strongest things you can do is just assert your opinion which is far closer to the truth than their opinion but in your dynamic, they have been controlling you this whole time. You're afraid to, you're walking on eggshells around them. You're afraid to push them over the edge or make it worse. And so you're appeasing them all along, keeping the peace and being agreeable. And setting a boundary is where you step into the situation and say, you know what? No, or I'm, I'm done talking about this. Mm-hmm. And they want to keep pushing you, keep pushing you, keep pushing you. And you set, you need to hold strong on your boundaries, say, I'm done. No means no. I'm done talking about this right now. And really, that goes to our second tip. Mm -hmm. And that is don't try to reason with them. Stop trying to logically reason with them when they can't get there emotionally or even mentally. Yeah, I think that could be the most freeing thing. And and back to your point to Brian, about the circle, like I think the boundary piece for you emotionally is controlled what you can control, which is how you respond or how, how you let this interaction impact you. So the more boundary you can create of I'm not going to let their mood, their words, their thing dictate how I'm going to respond. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for another example of the way they're the victim from your words. So that's why this next step then is trying to reason with them logically only feeds the narrative in their own mind of see now you're mean and, and use your words against you. That kind of that gaslighting thing where you end up like your words get turned on you. Like, wait a second. I, I had an experience here too. These are my feelings. I have feelings too. They don't have the ability really to hear that because any form of criticism or question of them creates that response in them that is to go in protective mode. So they'll go on the attack. So the more you can just say to, you know, speak in facts, but don't engage in trying to convince them and knowing you're probably not going to convince them, just stick. This is how I feel. I understand you don't see it that way. This is how I feel. And don't engage any more than that, trying to convince them of something. They call it some counselors call it the gray rock method where you're just very calm and very kind of matter of fact in your response. Like you don't really give a lot. You're just like, mm-hmm, okay. Or no, I don't agree with that. Or this is how I feel. And this is what happened. And you don't continue the conversation and don't let them bait you into that. That's the kind of that, you know, the boundary piece is not only your own emotions, but even in this next step, the boundary of just not getting pulled into a, 
tit for tat trying to reason that with them because they they'll just use your words and your perspective against you. Yeah, we have a boundaries series online. I'll we'll put a link to it in the show notes below, but let me read just some of the laws of boundaries from that series. I just got, I want to read this through and I want you to think listeners, I want you to think about this not just from your vantage point, but from their vantage point because the truth is they need boundaries also. But it's not your responsibility to set their boundaries. You have to set your boundaries. And and as long as nobody's setting boundaries in a relationship, which is what happens in many relationships with vulnerable narcissists, really any kind of narcissist, as long as nobody's setting boundaries, then the chaos is going to continue. But if at least one person sets boundaries, then there's going to be protection. And so here's some of the laws. Again, I encourage you to go check this out. And, and maybe this is a good follow-up conversation for people. In fact, we'll be talking about boundaries on this podcast in the weeks ahead. One of them is sowing and reaping, the law of sowing and reaping. You get what's coming to you unless someone swoops in and protects you from negative consequences. And that's kind of what's happening is is you are being bullied by a vulnerable narcissist into not letting them deal with their own problems. Number two, the law of responsibility. You aren't responsible for someone else's choices. That's a, that's a helpful one to realize when you're dealing with a vulnerable narcissist. Number three, you alone have the power to see your problems and address them. That's part of the problem with the vulnerable narcissist is they're not taking ownership of their problems. Number four, it's called res- the law of respect is we want others to respect our boundaries. We need to respect theirs. See, you've been respecting, you've been respecting their boundaries, but a vulnerable narcissist won't respect your boundaries. And I'll just read one more. It's the law of exposure. This is just half of the laws. There's 10 altogether. I'm just going to read five. The law of exposure is that your boundaries need to be visible to others and communicated clearly. And that's part of the problem. Again, it's going to be hard to do, but it's worth doing to to start using this kind of language with the vulnerable narcissist in your life to say no, to say, I disagree. You know, they're going to be strong and and emotional about how they've been hurt and they're the victim. And I think you just need to say, I disagree. I don't think you're the victim. I I apologize for any part that I played in this, but I'm not going to take all the ownership for this because you have to own your part as well. Don't let them gaslight you. You need to say, I'm going to have to draw that boundary there and I'm going to have to disagree with you on that. Again, if you've never done that with the vulnerable narcissist in your life, then that's why the chaos is continuing and it's not going to stop until you until you learn to say no until you draw that boundary and stop trying to reason with them well and also just not taking the bait emotionally because again it's about control so when they see you get upset now you're yelling that's them being like aha I got him. And again, it's not like that. It's not like every vulnerable narcissist is like, it's not even like it's a conscious thing for them. Like they're like these evil people, but it's this, this, the drive to protect their own sense of self is more important than your feelings. And so they'll do whatever it takes, even though they love you. I mean, it's such a complicated thing. It is. It is such a complicated thing. I feel terrible for people that are in these situations because it could be exhausting, And that's why for us and this, the boundary piece for the person that's not a vulnerable narcissist to know you can't, you can't make the vulnerable narcissist see the things they don't want to see. 
but you can make sure that it doesn't emotionally kill you right in the process that there are things that you can do to take control of how it impacts you and how you respond. And so the more you can understand that, the more you can be clear about that. I think what you'll find is when you stop engaging emotionally and going on the ride, the vulnerable narcissist will not engage you as much that way because they're seeing, okay, that tactic doesn't work. I'll try something different. Yeah. And the truth is part of, part of setting these boundaries and stop, you know, trying to reason with them. Part of this is you've just done everything you can to appease them and make them comfortable. And that's what they're used to. That's the dynamic in your relationship with them. And really what we're saying here is you need to let them be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Stop trying to protect them from discomfort or, or sadness or whatever, whatever that emotional thing is that they're you. So they're sort of leveraging against you. And it's created this dynamic where you're walking on eggshells with them you need to be willing. And I know this is hard for you. If you're listening to this, there's a reason if you're married to a narcissist, there's a reason they picked you. There's a reason that worked out. There's a reason they were attracted to you and went ahead and got married to you. It's because you're someone that they can walk all over. I mean, be honest, that's probably true for most people who are married to a narcissist. You didn't mean to be, you're just a nice person. You've allowed this dynamic to continue. So you have to own your part of the problem. You have enabled this probably. I don't mean to be too harsh here. I'm just trying to help people understand what the dynamic and you need to, you need to be, you need to be willing to do the thing that's uncomfortable to you, which is to make them uncomfortable. Let, let the narcissist be uncomfortable don't apologize at the end of the hard conversation. <laughs> Don't soften it for them. I know that feels maybe harsh and unloving. I'm not saying to be hateful or spiteful or anything like that. I'm just saying sometimes in love, you, ne- you need to do the thing that's uncomfortable for the person in your life, whether that's your kid, whether that's your spouse, or whether it's a friend or just another family member. Well, and that's where I think as you move to step three, just this idea of um, seeking counseling and emotional support for yourself as the person that maybe is married to the narcissist. You know, I there's hope for every situation. I strongly believe that. And maybe some of the issues and things you could go work through with a professional counselor, I, we strongly would encourage that if that's the situation you're in or if that's what you're realizing even if you go to counseling by yourself for a while and hopefully your spouse will be like, I'm interested to know what you're learning there. I'm noticing that you're engaging with me differently. Maybe the vulnerable narcissist will be like, well, I'm going to go to the counselor too. And maybe a professional can kind of help to navigate some of these things. And maybe the professional can help the vulnerable narcissist gain some understanding of some things. But at the end of the day, it's really more about what do you need to strengthen your own emotional bandwidth? What do you need to do to be strong so that you can be strong in drawing the boundaries? And especially if you're married to a vulnerable narcissist and you have kids, what are the things you can do to set the home up to be as peaceful as it can to protect your kids from having two parents that are always, you know, struggling because the vulnerable narcissist has their obvious issues, but then you are so 
codependent in that dynamic that then you're also kind of emotionally unavailable to your kids. Do the things you need to do, embrace information to help you gain more insight, um, not to tell the vulnerable narcissist in your life that they're, you know, sick or whatever, but just to understand, like, how do I navigate this relationship? How do I approach conflict and conversation in a way that I don't get sucked into this dynamic that doesn't get us anywhere healthy and feeds in the end, the narcissist supply they need of being the most important of being the victim and just do what you need to do to take care of your own heart. Yeah. Again, that's hard for you. If you're listening to this and you are the one who loves a vulnerable narcissist, right? A, a, a spouse, a kid, a friend, a family member, part of you, you have a bleeding heart, you have a lot of empathy, and you have been focused on that other person to your detriment. I think that's what you need to hear. You've been focused on them to your detriment. And here's the problem. They've been focused on themselves mm -hmm. to your detriment and to their detriment. So see, everyone in the picture, when it comes to a vulnerable narcissist, everyone in the scenario, everyone in the relationship is focused on the vulnerable narcissist, and that needs to stop. And in, until that stops, the dysfunction is going to continue. Now, you can't control their choices, but you can control your choices. So set boundaries and expectations. Stop trying to reason with the vulnerable narcissist in your life and seek counseling and emotional support for yourself. Now, if you want to learn more about this, like I said, I encourage you, you can find this resource along with all of our other podcasts as we continue to talk about topics like this. But I encourage you to have this conversation, share this podcast with a friend, maybe a friend who's helping you through this and say, help me process this, help me talk about this. And and, and as we said, find a therapist, seek some counseling. If you need professional counseling, do that as, as well. Have these conversations and make the changes that only you can make in the relationship to sort of move the needle and, and, uh, and change the dysfunction in your family or in your, in your friend group around this vulnerable narcissism. And again, check out that boundaries series because some of this is really learning learning how to be healthy for yourself, gaining the tools so that you can set those proper boundaries in your own life. Share with a friend, have these conversations, and join us next time as we continue to talk about family. Hey listeners, Pastor Brian here. If you're enjoying our podcast, would you consider becoming a donor? Our goal is that these podcasts would reach the largest audience possible. So obviously it takes money to create good podcasts. But more than that, we want to make sure to market this to the whole nation and even to the world. That's where your donation comes in. So would you consider becoming a monthly donor? And to do it, just visit PursueGod.org forward slash donate.